pray dear heavenly father we just thank you that god you're so awesome god we're just expecting you to do great things and god we just thank you god for us being able to touch rena and her family wow that's incredible and god we thank you for the opportunity now to touch other people through back to school and and helping other people in that regards we thank you for the genesis project that we can learn and we can grow in you god we just thank you so much that we're part of a church that is invested into our lives into our families and into our futures and God will just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so delighted today that you made a choice to be with us. I realize that there are many other choices out there. There's many other great churches in town and we thank God for them. I've got many pastor friends here in town that just are doing great things for God and we're praying for them and believing for God to do great things. But we're excited that you're a part of this church. We believe God is doing great things here. Throughout this series, we've been talking about expectancy. Come on, how many have got something this month and you've grabbed a hold of something? Thank you. There's three people. I guess I haven't been preaching good enough. I said, how many people have grabbed something? Come on. This month of expectancy in your life. And this is our last Sunday on this. We're going to be dealing with it again on Wednesday. But it's almost was an intimidating message this week to prepare because after last week, last week was just one of those messages that was just, it was a powerful message. And I'm not saying that because I preached it because I couldn't preach a message like that. God preached it through me last week. And It was just a powerful message, and I know it's challenged so many people. So when you're sitting down after this, you're like, oh my goodness, did I peak too early? I mean, what are we going to talk about today? But I really believe God has given me something equally as powerful for you today. And I want to talk today about how we can live with an expectancy that's going to prepare us for the future. Come on, say with me, four more stones. Four more stones. That's what we're going to be preaching on today, how God wants to build something inside of each one of our lives that's going to bring us through every test and every trial that we're facing and going to face. Because God wants to take us through stages in our spiritual life. But here's the thing about the stages in God. It's not like we check out of or we test out of one stage and we go to the next. It's like God says, okay, you've gone through that, but now I want to add to that one, this one. It's not like we ever leave anything. It's just we add something more to what God wants to do in our lives. And today we're actually going to step away from Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They did a good job for us for the first three weeks, but we're going to look at David today. David has to be my hero in the Word of God. I absolutely love David, my favorite Bible character. And what we're going to do is we're going to travel backwards, forwards, and sidewards kind of through his life 
So we're going to take a lot of scripture in today. Hopefully they can follow me on the board today and hopefully I wrote down all the right scriptures for them. But here's what you're doing. You're taking notes anyway in the house. Come on, you're taking notes in the house. You need a notepad. You need a journal. You need to be taking down things because we're going to see some very important truths today that's going to help us to go through the stages of life that we can live with expectancy, that we don't burn out, that we don't run out. Come on, God doesn't want us to burn out and run out. God wants us to what? To refuel, to be refired and to be inspired. Come on, God wants to take us places in Him. God doesn't want us to hit rock bottom every time for us to realize we need God. We need to realize wherever we're at, we need God and it's going to stop us from hitting the bottom in our lives. Come on, I wish someone would help me preach today. But first I want us to turn to our key scripture today and that's Ephesians 3 verse 20 that says, Now to Him, now to God. The Lord and Saviour of our lives. The one in charge of our lives. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and think according to the power that works inside of us. Now I don't know if I've said this before but I love this verse. I know I have. I've said that many times throughout this series because I absolutely love it. Every time I read that verse, I almost have to hold on to the pulpit and contain myself because I could do a lap. Come on, I could do a lap when I read that because I don't know about you. I need a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above me. Come on, I need a God that can do above what I can think and ask because sometimes my thinking and my asking can be pretty small and mind you. And I need God just to stretch me a little bit. I need God to help me a little bit. And He is able. I love that word. He is able. That's not, there's a question. He is able. He's able to do. And how is He able to do? Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. He is an awesome, awesome God. And there's a potential that every one of us possesses inside of us. To release the greatness of God. But you know one thing I've discovered throughout this series and throughout my life is this. It's okay to love verses like that. And we should love verses like that. That we should expect and embrace those things in our lives. But I have also understood this. That we need to also understand what God's word is truly saying in a verse like that. We need to understand the truth. We need to understand the pathway that expectancy wants to take us on because it's not always higher and greater. I'm not trying to go back where we've covered, but it's not always about higher, greater things. It's not about a bigger car and greater this and all that. If God wants that for you, then praise God. But it's not always about that. But it's always about something that's deeper. And deeper is important because the deeper you go, the higher you can grow. Come on, the deeper you go in God, the foundation of a building is vitally, vitally, vitally important. Because you can build something, but if it's not built on the rock, if it's not built on a sure foundation, you're going to crash and burn. Turn to your neighbor and say, crash and burn. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how we can go deeper. How we can have something inside of us. How we can carry expectancy. And expectancy, as we've already discussed, must start from the right place. It's God. God is our source. It's not what I want to do and wake up in the morning and say, man, I'm just going to be a superstar. No, if God wants me to be that, then praise God. But I've got to connect to the source. I've got to find out what God wants my life to do. But it's not about just connecting to the source, but it's about continuing along the proper course. It's not just connecting to the source, it's continuing along the course. Man, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Come on, I'm giving you something today. 
It's something that we've got to continue to lead. We've got to follow the leading of God. We've got to continue to follow God, the places that he wants to take us. And and God takes us some places that we don't want to go. I've been in places where I thought, God, have you left me? Have you forsaken me? But I realized later it's the places where he's the closest to me. And they're not places that I would have chosen beforehand, but I would choose them now because I realized what he has done through those circumstances and through those trips. So God has to be in control of my life. And that's just not a flippant statement. People say that. It's like a Christianese statement that we just kind of say, well, God's in control of my life. You better know he is. Come on, I said you better know you, he is. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Notice there's weights and sins. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, holds us back, limits us in our life, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice the next few words. Look into Jesus who is the what? He's the author. He's the writer. He's the beginning. He's the reason you live. He's the one, the reason why you've got a job. He's the reason why you've got the talents and the gifts that you have in your life. He is the author of your life. But guess what else he is? He is the finisher. He's the author and he's the finisher. What does it mean? He needs to be in control. He wrote the script for my life. So who better knows the way of my life? I need him to lead and guide me. I can try and take control, but the problems I have is when I'm in the pilot seat. Come on, I need to get out of the cockpit, sit in the back and let him fly me through life. Come on, let him take me. Let me, him, sustain me in life. So it's not just giving our lives to God, but it's living our lives through him. Living my life through him each and every day. Allowing him to build expectancy within us throughout the entirety of our lives. God wants us to be complete, his word says, lacking nothing in every area of our lives. So, so let's look at David and some passages of scripture. First Samuel 17 verse 40. I told you we're going to go backwards, sideways, frontwards. There's nothing in order today. We're just going to take it everywhere. Wherever it falls, we're just going to take it today. But hopefully we're going to make sense of it all at the end. So stay with me. Say to your neighbor, stay with him. Stay with him. You can't miss him because he's so bright, but just try and stay with him. First Samuel 17 40. Then David took his staff in his hand. And he chose for himself five smooth stones. How many? Five Five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag in a little pouch that he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. We're going to jump to verse 49. Don't worry, we're coming back to the middle. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone. How many stones did he take out? One stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David, verse 50, prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. How many stones? And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. And it goes on, David stands over and takes Goliath's sword, cuts off his head. That's the part the kids like of the story right there. But from what we had just read there, David prevailed and killed a giant with just one stone. Come on, say with me, one stone. He used one stone, yet the Bible clearly tells us he picked up five. He took five stones. He had five stones in his pouch, but he only used one. Now, let's just do some simple math today. He had 
Just helping you out, just in case. Did you notice that? That was a little cue right there for somebody. He had stones left. He had four more stones. Come on, say with me, four more stones. Why would he do that? Here's our thinking, okay? Here's, here's where we're at. Maybe not where you're at, but here's where I'm at. Maybe he just thought he was going to miss. Maybe he thought he was going to miss. You know, that's what we can think so many times, or we can just excuse that and think nothing of it. I believe there's such a relevance here for our lives that we need to see in this story. I want to tell you right now that I don't believe for one second that David took five stones because he was a bad shot. The Bible tells us that the Benjamites, you can read it in Judges 20 verse 16, David was a Benjaminite. They said that they could literally split hairs with a sling. That's how accurate they were with a sling and a stone. I mean, they could take down. And plus, you've got to remember that day, the children of Israel were running. They were afraid at a massive giant. But you know what? David didn't see. He wasn't scared and afraid. Guess what he saw? David saw a target that he couldn't miss. Come on now. You see, because he had expectancy. He was looking in a different way. He had a different perspective. They were afraid. They were running. David said, hey, watch out. That's a target I cannot miss in my life. And I believe David took four more stones because of expectancy he had in his life. Expectancy? Yes, expectancy. Well, what do you mean about that, pastor? I believe David knew because of his experiences, and we're going to talk about them. David knew because how God had prepared him for this moment. David knew that that wasn't the only giant that he was going to face in his life. David knew that wasn't the only adversary that was going to come against him. David knew that wasn't the only achievement he would achieve in his life. David knew that there was going to be other struggles, other trials and other situations that were coming in his life. And guess what? He knew he had to be prepared for the next challenge. How many knows God wants us prepared for the next challenge? You see, the problem with too many Christians today is they don't have anything in their bag. I wonder what's in your bag today. Come on, I wonder what's in your bag. I wonder what's left in your bag today. Some of you just crawled into church today by the skin of your teeth. You're bankrupt. You're broken. You're you're destitute. You're in despair. I mean, you barely made it through the last struggle and and you're, you're fighting even right now. But I believe God wants us to be victorious through every struggle and every battle. But listen to this. Be prepared for the next. Come on, I've got three people agreeing with me there. God wants us prepared. You better be thanking God and agreeing with me because you know the devil's going to come against you and I want to be ready when he comes. Anyone want to be ready when the enemy comes? I want to be prepared and I want to be ready. And, And the question is, what do you have today? Because here's what you and I need to understand. We have got to be prepared before the giant comes. We've got to be prepared and ready before the battlefield because if we're only getting ready when the battle starts, we're probably not going to be ready to be a part of what God wants us to do. We're probably not going to make it through like we need to. We need to be prepared and we need to be ready in our lives. So in the story of David, we see that Saul was anointed king. He disobeyed God. God rejected him as king. Samuel, the prophet, was mourning and God came to him and said, how long are you going to mourn for Saul that was never my choice? I've chosen one. Would you go to Jesse's house and when you get there, anoint one of his sons? So what do we see in 1 Samuel 16, 11? And it says, and Samuel says to Jesse, are all your young men here? Stop reading. Are all your young men here? You see, what's happened up to this time is Jesse shows up and he says, Samuel, I need all your sons to be gathered together. 
All Samuel's sons, all seven, all Jesse's sons, seven of them stand before them. He looks at Eliab. He was a good-looking guy, the Bible says. He was a big, strong guy. He was the eldest. Surely this is the one, but the oil didn't flow. That wasn't the one God wanted. And all of the sons were presented before Samuel that day, but God said none were his choice. Now, Samuel, I'm sure, began to think, God, have I missed you? Have I missed you here because I'm puzzled and I'm liking what I see. I think Eliab looks good. I think they all look good. So what's the deal, God? What's the problem? But God showed Samuel that day that he was looking for something different. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at what? The outward. Don't look at what you see. Don't look at the appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. Now, that's a strong word there because God says, I've rejected that. If you think of something that's rejected, it's thrown out. It's no good. God's saying, that's not what I have. That's not what I have chosen. Samuel's scratching his head because that would have been his choice. God goes on to say, I do not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, but I look where? I look at the heart. God told Samuel he desired something greater, something of a greater importance that, you know what, we lose sight of many times. You know what we get caught up in so many times? The image. We get caught up in the money. Come on, we get caught up in the fame and in the popularity. Come on, I want to be the man. Come on, I want to be the woman. I want to be this. I want to look good. I want people to go, wow, look at them. They look good. I want to feel good. Come on, so often we get so caught up in that. But I'm telling you right now, if that's all you are, you've got nothing left in your bag. You're not going to have anything in your bag. Because that's not where God begins. God begins where? In the heart. Now, don't get me wrong, having money and fame and popularity and all those things, there's nothing wrong with them in the right order. There's nothing wrong with those if that's where God wants you to be. But guess what? Those things can be a blessing for your life, but they've got to start where? In your heart. God wants to start in your heart. The heart is the center of our our lives. It's the seat of our motives. It's the seat of our desires. It's the source of life for the entire body. So back to 1 Samuel 16, 11. Then Jesse said, oh yeah, I forgot one. Can you believe that? That Jesse forgot one of his sons. He said, oh yeah, there's that little kid who just sings and plays his harp all the time and just messes around and he's just out there with all the sheep. There he is, look over there, look, skipping in the hills and just having a good time over there. And what does Samuel say to Jesse? He says, bring him here because we will not sit down until he comes. So verse 12 goes on and says, so they sent and brought him in. Now David was ruddy with bright Eyes, meaning he had a reddish complexion, probably red hair. He had bright eyes. He was good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from what? That day forward. Jump to verse 19. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse. This is some time later. This isn't just the next day. This is some time later. Even though it's only, what, six verses later. There's a time period that has transpired here. Saul, the king, sends messenger to Jesse and says, send me your son David, who is what? He's with the sheep. He's with the sheep. 
You've got to see something. David's anointed king, yet he's with the sheep. I want to talk about having expectancy today, how God wants to build your life today, how we can discover that his way is a better plan. Come on, that he has a greater perspective. It's a different to ours because he has a greater priority because he has a divine purpose for our life. I want to talk about the stages that God wants to take us through, that when the tests and the trials come, come on, we've got some more stones in our back. We're going to make it through. Here's the first stop. Are you ready? Stage number one, the first stop is not always the palace. The first stop is not always the palace. In fact, very rarely is it ever going to be the palace. Most of us don't like the sound of that because that's not what we want to happen. We want to give our lives to God and there'll never be another problem. We we want God to call us and we just go. Come on, we just want God to give us a dream and we want the fulfillment right there and then. We just want God to do it and we want God to do it like yesterday. Anyone with me with that? We don't like it when things don't happen when we want to happen. We like to pack our bags because we want to take off to the palace. I mean, everyone wants to live in the palace. Come on, who would not want to live in a palace? And here's what we would say to most people. See ya. Fun knowing you, but I'm off. I'm going to the palace. But that's not what we see with David. David's back with his sheep, anointed as king. But he's back in the wilderness. He's back in the middle of nowhere, taking care of sheep. And you know, when I hear a word like wilderness, automatically a mental picture that comes into my mind is this. A place that's so dry, that's so barren, and so miserable. Just dust flying everywhere and nothing. The reality is a wilderness can be that. Some of you may be in a wilderness like that. I know I've been in a wilderness like that. I've been in a place like that where it felt that it was just dry, barren, just a desert and I'm gasping for air and gasping for water and wondering if I'm going to make it as I feel totally worn out. So it can be a place like that. But I don't think it always is a place like that. And I think what the wilderness symbolizes is this. It's a place of separation. Say with that with me, separation. It's a place where God has to first set you apart. It's a place where God has to... You know, where you have to get to know God. It's a place where you've got to build relationship with God. David's out alone. He's in the middle of nowhere. It's the place of greatest importance for the palace. It's a place of preparation that's preparing you for what God has in your life. Even Jesus, when he began his ministry, first had to go through the wilderness, a place of testing. For what reason? So he could come out on the other side, that he would prove God, that he would know God. You see, we can look at the wilderness and say, God, I don't like it there, or I don't want to be there, but the wilderness is an important place of preparation for your life. It's a place where you find God. Excuse me. It's a place where you find God. It's a place where you discover Listen to this, who you are. You see, David, before he faced a giant, had to first know who he was. And it's not always a pretty picture when God has to take us into a wilderness place, a place where we're alone and isolated. It's not a pretty place when it seems like everything's fall around us and all we're left with is ourselves. And God says, well, let me just work with you right now. Let me just show you who you are. You see, there's two choices that we can live by when God shows us who we are. You ready? The first choice is this, to deny it. Well, that's not me. That's not what I am. Man, I'm better than that. I'm not like that. And you see, when we deny it, what happens? We then do nothing about it because we don't believe it, so we don't receive it. So we can live in denial. Not good. Not good. 
Or the second choice we can have is we can accept what God is showing us and allow him to help us to do something about it. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be where you say, God, just show me. David said that when he had fell with Bathsheba in one of the stories. We can read of that. It says he, he cries out to God in Psalms 51. Is it? And he says, God, t- test my heart. Try me. Show me if there's anything in me that's not. He was saying, God, I really want to know everything about me, everything who I am. Why? Because that's where it begins. If I don't know really who I am, then I can never really know who you are. Too many of us mask the reality of what's going on inside of us with pains and hurts and rejections, the insecurities. You know how we mask that with noise, with busyness and with addictions. We're broken inside. We've got pain. So what do we do? We just keep busy. We put on a smile and we just act like, and we keep busy and we get around people and we surround ourselves with noise. We turn to some kind of addiction to be able to help us, to be able to make it through. But you know what? The Bible says we've got to be still and know God. We've got to go through. You see, if you want to have four more stones left that you're going to make it through everything, you've got to first start in the wilderness. You've got to first start and understand really who you are and discover who God is. We've got to allow God to deal with our shortcomings, those things in our lives that he can take care of us. Here's a statement for you. God has to first show us who we are. So we can know what God wants to be in our lives. God wants to be great in our lives. As you look at the life of David during this time with the sheep, if you read the Psalms that he wrote during this time, you see that there was challenges that he faced in the wilderness. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than a lion and a bear that comes out against you. I'm telling you, that's a challenge. But you've got to understand that you need encounters like that. I need encounters like that. Why? Because it will wake me up really quick to this fact. Are you ready for the fact that it will wake me up? When we're complaining, saying, God, why is this happening? God's saying, I want to teach you something. I want to show you something. I want to bring you somewhere. Come on, nothing's wasted with God. And I know I'm jumping ahead of my message, but nothing's wasted with God. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 4. You are of God. Thank God I'm of God, little children, and you have overcome them. And here's what you and I must understand, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you, the God who is in you. Come on, you don't take on a lion and a bear. Come on, you run the opposite direction. Come on, you don't grab them by your hands and wrestle with something like that. But David did. I'm running. I'm running for my life. I'm screaming like a little girl. Come on, just let's be honest. Come on, I am running. I'm not crying wolf. I'm crying lion and bear because it's real. They're there. Really. But not David's. Why was that? Because David in the wilderness knew God in such a great way that he knew that whatever he faced, God had prepared him for the challenge. Because he knew that God was building experiences in him that he would need later in life. Later in life, David's in Ziglag. He's left to go and fight and then he's sent back home. And when he arrives home, the city is on fire. Their wives, their children, everything they have is taken. David isolates himself, separates himself from everyone else. And it was a good thing because the Bible says his men around him wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. 
But the Bible says David began to encourage himself in the Lord. You know what he began to do, I believe? I believe he took his shoes off his feet and he began to rub his feet through that bare skin rug that he had on the floor of his tent. I believe he began to look up on the wall of that lion skin that was up on the wall and he began to remind himself, you know what, God, it's not who I am, but God, I know who you are. And because, who I, because I know who you are, I have an identity. Come on, and he was able to make it. You see, David changed his outlook with an uplook. We've got to change our outlook. You see, that's where our outlook is changed in a wilderness, when we're alone. And I believe that there's someone in here, many people here today, that need to hear this. You know, some people have convinced themselves that their wilderness experiences because God's punishing them, because God's left them, because God's not pleased with them. No, God wants to build expectancy in your life. God wants to build a foundation that he can build on. God wants to produce stamina, endurance, so you're going to make it through every test and trial that lies ahead of you. The giants that are still waiting for you. Come on, listen to this. Living for God is not a problem-free life. Come on, living for God is not a problem-free life. But it's a victorious one. Come on, I said when you live for God, it's not always a problem-free life. But it's always a victorious one. You're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. Come on, say with me, next stage. Stage number two, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be faithful where you're at. David's life just showed this over and over again. David definitely wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. He took the task at hand seriously. He didn't slack on the job. Even when he knew he was destined for the palace, he was where? He was back with the sheep. And just after David is anointed king, we read that a distressing spirit came upon Saul and they sought for a musician, for someone that would play a harp and drive away that spirit from Saul. And here's what they say in 1 Samuel 16, 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite who is a skillful in playing. He is a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. He's what? He's a skillful what? He's a mighty man. He's a man of war. There is no evidence up to this time that David had ever even been in a battle. There is no evidence that he had even wielded a sword in defense, never mind attack. Yet he is labeled as a man of valor. And a man of war. Why? Can I tell you why? Because your faithfulness. Because when you are faithful to where God has placed you, he will promote you. When you are faithful to where God places you. God, I want to be in the palace because you call me to. Listen, you be faithful where you're at. Because when you are faithful to what God has called you to do, guess what? God's the one that's going to promote you. God's the one that's going to put you into that place. Oh, but Pastor Philip, I'm expecting God for a new job. I'm expecting God for a promotion. Bless God. I'm expecting God for more money. Fantastic. But you know where that starts? Starts being faithful right where you're at right now. Why do you deserve a promotion? Are you the hardest worker at your job? Are you doing everything without complaining that the boss asks? Are you showing up on time? Are you leaving on time? Are you helping? Are you doing whatever? Oh, but Pastor Philip, I want God to promote me. That's where God promotes from. 
Come on, I said God promotes from faithfulness. Faithfully doing the, the task at hand and then God will promote you. Oh, but God, Pastor Philip, you know, I want God to give me a husband. I want God to give me a wife. Well, praise God. I want someone to do life with. Well, praise God, I'm happy for you. But you know where it starts? Right now. Starts being faithful where, I, where you're at. I mean, are you being friendly? How are you presenting yourself? Maybe a little bit de- more deodorant would help, you know? Maybe some more soap would help. Maybe some braces. Maybe some, no, any plan. But you know what I'm saying is, you know what? What about your integrity in your life? What about having godly character? Well, well, God can give me. Yeah, he can give you, but it starts with you being faithful with what you have. Come on, God will give you according, I believe, to your faithfulness. Oh God, I want God to give me a new home. I want God to give me a new car. I, I want newer, better stuff. Praise God. But you know where it starts? It starts with you being faithful where you're at. It starts with you paying your tithe right now. Well, Pastor Philip, I can't afford to on what I earn. Listen, I'm telling you right now, you can't afford not to. If you can't pay your tithes on $1,000, you're never going to pay it on that promotion. You're never going to pay it on $2,000. You're never going to do that. Come on, you've got to be faithful where you're at. You've got to be a good steward. You've got to start developing good spending habits right now. Why? Because faithfulness is important. Listen to this. You can't expect what you are not faithfully doing. I really believe that. Because God would be unfair to give you something that you're not being faithful in. Why? Because then you wouldn't be able to handle it. He who is faithful in a little, the Bible says, God can honor him. God can bless him with more. You're not to run to the palace right now. God will tell you when it's time to go. you just got to be prepared. It may be in the wilderness right now. You maybe don't like it, but that's where you build your relationship with God. That's where God's preparing. That's where you learn faithfulness to the task at hand. But pastor, I don't want to go through the wilderness. I don't want all this faithfulness stuff. I just want God to promote me. Then what? Watch you fail and fall. Because that's all you'll do. If you're not prepared and ready, you're going to fail and you're going to fall. You see, expectancy desires to produce faithfulness in your life, which in turn will produce character. It will really be your heart. It will discover then who you really are. And there's so much here. Look what it says. And the children of Israel were facing the Philistines. They were on one hill and the children of Israel were on the other hill in 1 Samuel 17. And look what it says in verse 17 and 18. Then Jesse said to his son David, He said to him, take some bread with you. And then verse 18, he said, take some cheese. Did you know that David was the first pizza delivery boy? He took bread and cheese. And he said, take it to your brothers and take it to their commanders. Verse 20. So David what? He rose. You think it's in there by chance, those words? I don't. David was commanded to do something. But you know something about David's life was this. He made a vacation out of something that was a commandment. So easy we can get upset and doubt. How dare they do it? But you see, he was faithful. A lot of us would have slept in. If we didn't have to watch the sleep, the sheep, we could have slept in a little bit longer. And we could have just gone when we felt like it. But the Bible says, oh no, David rose early. He was faithful and he left his sheep with a keeper. He's faithfully doing everything that's asked of him. And then what? As he arrives, he sees a giant. And he sees the men of Israel hiding in fear. You see, here's the next stage you've got to get to in your life where God wants to get you to. While you're still connected to the first and to the second. And here's the third one is this. The third stage is you can now become or you can now realize that you can be part of the solution. Now you can be part of the solution. 
You are God's solution that he desires to use. What, me? Yeah, your life. God wants to use you to touch that person in that cubicle beside you. Or if I could just get them to church. Hold on a second. You are the church that has gone to them. Thank God for church and try and get them here. But you know what? You are the body of Christ. You are the church of God. Take church to them. Realize that you're part of the solution to the problems we hear on the news. Don't get upset. Don't hang your head. Throw your hand in the air and say, praise God, you've prepared me for this. God, I'm prepared to be part of the solution. It's not going to get any better. But guess what? We need to be better. We need to be greater in God. It's almost like David that day doesn't see like anyone else. When Goliath comes out, everyone's hiding and everyone's terrified and afraid. They're controlled by fear. But David's standing in faith. Look what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 26. He says, what shall be done? That's what David's saying in verse 26. Sorry, I got the rod. There it is. He said, what shall be done for this man who kills this Philistine and takes away from the... Everyone else says, what shall be done? Do you see him? I mean, do you really realize? But you see, David's come through the wilderness. He's understood the relationship with God. And he's understood that no matter what, God is with him. He's been faithful. And now he realizes, hold on, I'm the solution here. Everyone's running and hiding. I'm the solution. Come on, if there's nothing else you grab from this series, you've got to start realizing you are the solution to your family's problems. You're the solution to the people around you, to your neighborhood. Why? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to this one? And then David makes it personal. Notice, how dare he talk about my God? How, I mean, he's made it personal. He's going down. Come on, this is a showdown. He's made it personal. If you hadn't said that, then maybe, but now you've made it personal. So it's on, it's on, it's on. You and I can be the solution. And something you've got to understand is this. Even when you are at that place and you are the solution, there's going to be people around you that's going to look at you and think there's no way you can. David's brother in verse 28, he was the one that led the attack. What did he say? Look at you. You've got pride. You've got insolence in your heart. Who do you think you are? You know, not everyone around you is going to always see that you're the solution. Come on. Some of you, some people are still going to see you as the little shepherd boy. Come on. Even Jesus went into his hometown and the Bible said he couldn't do many miracles there. Why? Because they looked at him as the son of the carpenter. They didn't look at him as who he was. People aren't always going to see God in you. Come on, they're going to see you as the one whose life was screwed up. Come on, they were going to see the one who was the bad parent. They may be going to see you as the one who was the unfaithful spouse. They're going to see you as the one that can't keep their finances in, in check. But you know what? That's what you were. But you went through the wilderness and you discovered God and you're a different person. And now there's faithfulness in your life. And guess what? Now you realize you and God make a great team and you're now part of the solution. You've got to push aside those things. David didn't have pride and in insolence, but you know what he had? Confidence in God. You don't have confidence in God if you haven't gone through the wilderness. Come on, now I'm preaching. You haven't confidence in God if you can't be faithful right where you're at and let God promote you. Because if you're trying to jump ahead and run for the palace, come on, you're going to be broke. You're not going to have no stones in your back. David had a confidence in God and he ends up standing before a king and All the situation and the circumstances, he gets the green light to go. Read the story for yourself. We haven't got time to go into it all. But here's the next stage. Are you ready? Stage number four. You've then got to trust that God has given you all that you need. Satan really messes with us here. 
I mean, Satan really messes with us here. When Saul looks at David and he finally realizes or finally says, okay, you can go. You see, Saul realized a whole other message here, but Saul knew he was the one that should have gone. The Bible says Saul was head and shoulders above any other man of Israel. Come on, if you're going to face a giant, then surely the tallest dude should go and fight for you. But you see, he had, what, lost his anointing. God had left him. But David, through the wilderness, being faithful, realized he was part of the solution. Now, guess what? He realized that God had given him everything he needs. Have you ever felt like you don't have what it takes? Have you ever been in that place when someone comes to you and says, can you pray for my uncle? They've got cancer and they're dying. Have you ever kind of looked at yourself and said, man, that's tough. If, they, if God doesn't move, you know what? They're going to die. And, and what can I do? Have you ever felt kind of helpless in situations and circumstances? May I remind you today, you've got to trust what God has given you. And you've got to realize that God has given you all that you need. What does David say in verse 39 of 1 Samuel 17? He says, I can't go with these. He says, I can't even walk in these. Because he said, I haven't tested these. I haven't proven these. Here's what David's saying. That's not who God has called me to be. I've got to be who God has called me to be. I may not be able to sing like Megan and Josh and Senya and all the crew. I may not be able to play. Come on. I may not be technical and can run the sound. I couldn't even hardly turn a light switch on. I'm not good at doing stuff. But you know what? God has called you to do something. and He's given you all you need to be able to do that. Come on. And we need to be able to do that. So what does he do? He throws those things off. And he takes up his staff and he goes to the brook as we began by reading and he picks up five smooth stones. I've got to finish today. And then Here's the last stage today. Stage number five. You've then got to have complete confidence in God. You see, in the wilderness and not the palace, we talked about the importance of knowing who you are. Because then we can discover all God wants to be in our lives. And here's where it comes into play. Here's where finally David sees it all click into gear and he understands why the wilderness and why the lesson on faithfulness and why all these things. He understands the expectancy you see has been built in him. The experience has been built in him. But then he realizes one day what it is for as he runs to face a giant. But if you would read it, 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 47, it's right there and it's up on the screen, but we haven't got time. But you know what? David gets cursed at by the giant. The giant laughs at him and says, I'm a dog that you come with me with sticks. Who do you think you are? He cursed David by every God. That was a lot of God. So how do you think David begins to feel? How do you think David begins to feel if he doesn't watch? As he's standing before him and he sees a giant and he hears all these things. If we don't watch, we can so easily lose focus at the most important time. So easy to hear the insults and begin to look at yourself and say, you know, you're right. How could anyone ever use someone like me? How could anyone ever love someone like me? I really have nothing to offer. I'm just wasted goods. I'm really nothing. But David reminded himself, what? That's not how God saw him. That's not what God believed about him. That was a lie and not the truth. That's not who David is. And verse 45, paraphrased, here's what David says. He says to the giant, he said, listen, it's not about me. Aren't you glad it's not about you? Come on, aren't you glad it's not about you? It's not about me. It's not about who I am, but it's about whose I am. 
I'm, I'm a child of the king. I, I, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But you know what? I've discovered in the wilderness relationship with God. And I've just developed faithfulness in my life. And I realize God wants to use me. I'm part of the solution. I realize he's given me everything I need. And now I can have confidence in that God. And I'm standing here. You know, it's about me expecting the God that I serve. He says, I've come a long way to get to this day. But I'm ready because God has been preparing me for this moment. And he says, and together, me and God are the winning team. And he looks at that giant. Can you see a little boy looking at a giant, sticking his finger out? And he says, you're the one that better be scared. Because you're the one that's going down. And I mean, literally. You see, you can't just jump to the battlefield and say stuff like that. Come on, you didn't catch that. You can't just jump to the battlefield and stand before a giant and say you're going down. You've got to experience that. You've got to know that. You've got to come by way of God's way through the stages of life. You see, nothing's wasted when it's with God. Come on, let me say that again. Nothing's wasted with God. It comes through wilderness. Through It comes through all these things that God can build a confidence in you. Each day he desires to build expectancy within you. So your experience will be great. You've got to love David. He doesn't just stroll. He takes off running towards that giant with that one stone and he releases it and let it fly. He prevails. He kills him. He takes off his head. The end of the story. Notice this. It's the end of one story. But it's the beginning of another. You see, there's never going to be an end to the onslaught of Satan. You're just going to meet a victory. But then you know what? There's going to be another battle. It's going to be another hill to climb. But you've got to remember this. What? We've got to have four more stones. David had four more stones left. As you continue to read the story of David, there's many more tests and trials and struggles that he goes through in life. He nearly loses everything through sin in his life. But thank God he had four more stones left. And I want to bring this to a conclusion today. God prepared David just like he wants to prepare you and me for more than just one giant. That no matter what the future holds, the trials, the obstacles, the hardship, the failure, the sin, David possessed with him, within him, the ability to make it through because he lived in the stages that God had set out for him. David's whole life was built upon his expectancy that God was more than able, more than able, you know what? The Bible tells us, turn to it when you get home in 2 Samuel 21, 15 and 22. You know what the Bible tells us in that passage of Scripture? There were four more giants. The Bible tells us that Goliath had four kids. And in the reign of David, every one of those giants was killed. Could it be that he had one more stone for every one of those giants? Now, I don't know that day because the Bible doesn't tell me. But I don't know that day when David bent down in the brook that he knew the genealogy of Goliath. I don't know if he knew the family tree. I don't know if he knew that there were four more sons that he was going to go after. But that day I do know this, that David picked up five stones. I don't know what David knew, but I know what God knew. And you see, God, even though he maybe didn't realize... God knew and God gave him everything he needs. You see, that's what God wants to do when he builds expectancy. You don't know the sicknesses that may still come to your body. God forbid. 
You don't know the financial distress that you may be in. God forbid. You don't know the struggles that are facing you when you leave this place. God forbid. But God does. And when you go through the wilderness, when you're faithful, and you realize that God's given you something that you can be part of the solution and He's given you everything you need and you can have a confidence in God. I want to tell you, He's given you every stone that you need to be able to beat every giant in your life. That you don't have to fall flat on your face, but you can hold your head up high saying, God, you've prepared me for this moment. You see, you've got to remind yourself of the preparation. You see, when I was a kid, I learned CPR. Now I can't really remember it. But you know what? If someone drops dead inside, in front of me, it's going to come back to remembrance really quick. Sometimes we can't pull it back, but when there's a need, come on, it's got to be first in there. And when it's in there, it's going to come. Come on, God wants you to live prepared with expectancy that you've got four more stones. That every giant, every obstacle, every situation that's coming against you, you're going to be victorious. Come on, if you receive that, stand to your feet today. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.